God gives us difficulties to bring out the best in us. This is Bernice Presley, thanking each of you for joining us on this, our Hour of Excellence, Studio Presley, featuring outstanding dignitaries, superlatives, and also providing information for your educational growth. We have as our special guest, Mrs. Mary Hightower, an unsung hero in Columbia County, Lake City, Florida. She firmly believes in the statement, and I quote, the more you read, the more you know. The more you know, the smarter you grow, unquote. I am honored at this time to welcome Mrs. Mary Hightower, an unsung hero, to Hour of Excellence Studio Pressing, Mrs. Mary Hightower, thank you for coming today. You're welcome. I would like to start off with an open prayer and thank my God. Father God, I just want to thank you for this wonderful, beautiful day. I want to thank you for helping me to retain the information to share with the listeners during Black History Month. Now, I'm going to be speaking about two wonderful women, Claudette Colvin and Rosa Parks. I'm speaking during Black History Month on Rosa Parks and Claudette Colvin, two black women who refused to give up their seat on the bus. Even though we were taught Rosa Parks was the first lady to refuse to give up her seat, however, after researching, I discovered Claudette Colvin, a 15-year-old young girl, was the first to refuse to give up her seat on the bus. Claudette Colvin was born Claudette Austin in Montgomery, Alabama, on September the 5th, 1939. Claudette Colvin is a retired African-American nurse's aide and activist who was a pioneer of the 1950s civil rights movement. The daughter of Mary Jane Gasson and C.P. Austin. She was born Claudette Austin. Her parents were not financially able to support her, and so she was adopted by Mary Ann and Q.P. Colvin, great aunt and uncle to Mary Jane Gasson. Colvin grew up in a poor black neighborhood of Montgomery, Alabama. For many years, Montgomery black leaders did not publicize Colvin's pioneer efforts. She was an unmarried teenager at the time and was reportedly raped by a married man. Soon after the incident from which she became pregnant, Colvin was not accredited by the civil rights campaigners at the time due to her pregnancy. In 1955, Colvin was a student at the segregated Booker T. Washington School in the city. She relied on city buses to get to and from school because her family did not own a car. Now, the majority of the customers on the bus system were African-American, but they were discriminated against by its custom of segregated seating. Colvin was a member of the NAACP Youth 
counsel and had been learning about the civil rights movement. It was Black History Month at her segregated school. They had been studying about Black leaders like Harriet Tubman, the runaway slave, who led more than 70 slaves to freedom through the network of safe houses known as the Underground Railroad. They also studied about Sojourner Truth, a former slave who became an abolitionist and women's rights activist. The class had also been talking about the injustice they were experiencing daily under the Jim Crow segregation law, not being able to eat at the same lunch counter. So COVID understood the segregation law. On March 2nd, 1955, she was returning home from school. She sat in the colored section about two seats away from an emergency exit on a Capitol Height bus. If the bus became crowded at all the white seats in the front of the bus were filled and so white people were standing, African-Americans were supposed to get up from their seats, make room, move to the back to make room for whites. When a white woman who got on the bus left standing in the front of the bus, driver Robert W. Clear commanded Colvin, Colvin and three other black women in her role to move to the back. The other three moved. But another black woman, Ruth Hamilton, who was pregnant, got on and sat next to Colvin. He asked both Colvin and Hamilton to get up. Hamilton said she was not going to get up. She had paid her fare. Colvin told him, I'm not going to get up either. The bus driver said he was going to get the police. The police arrived and convinced a black man sitting behind the two women to move so that Miss Hamilton can move back. But Colvin refused to move. She was forcefully removed from the bus and arrested by Officer Thomas J. Ward and Paul Hatley. This event took nine months, nine months before Rosa Park was arrested for the same offense. Claudette Colvin's mother said, be quiet about what you did. Let Rosa be the one. They like her. Colvin did not see the, receive the same attention as Rosa Parks for numerous reasons. She didn't have good hair. She was not fair-skinned. She was a teenager and she was pregnant. The leaders of the civil rights movement tried to keep up appearance and make the most appealing protesters the most seen. When Kobe refused to get up, she was thinking about a paper she had just written that day in school about local customers that prohibit blacks from using the dressing room in order to try on clothes in the department store. Coleman was yelling, it's my constitutional right. She decided on that day that she wasn't going to move. Coleman recalled history that kept me stuck to my seat. I felt the hands of Harry Tubman pushing down on my shoulders and Susanna Truth pushing down on the other. So, 
Holman was initially charged with disturbing the peace, violating the segregation law, and battling and assaulting on a police officer. Through the trial, Coven was represented by Fred Gray, a lawyer from the Montgomery Improvement Association, which she was organized by the Civil Rights Action. She was convicted of all three charges in juvenile court. When Coven's case was appealed on May 6, 1955, the charges of disturbing the peace, violating the segregation law, were dropped, although her conviction for assaulting a police officer was upheld. COVID moment of activism was not solitary nor random. In high school, she dreamed, she dreamed of becoming the president of the United States one day. Decoven was a very smart young lady. She was an A student. Her political inclination was fueled in part by an incident in which she, an uh, incident with her schoolmate, Jeremiah Reed. His case was the first time she had witnessed the work of the NAACP. Rape Reese was found having sex with a white woman who claimed she was raped. Though Reese claimed their relationship was consensual. Her preacher told her, H.H. H. Johnson told her, you just brought revolution to Montgomery. What the preacher meant by that, she made a drastic change at the age of 15. She did not let the bus driver, nor did she let the police officer oppress her or intimidate her. She stood up for what she believed in, which was called equality. She felt at the time defiant, defiant, meaning she felt bold and she challenged the segregation law on the bus. That day, Colvin gave birth, later gave birth to two sons, Raymond in March 1956. In 1960, she gave birth to her second son, Randy. Claudette began a job as a nurse's aide in a nursing home in Manhattan. She worked there for 35 years until she retired in 2004. Colvin's son, Randy, Colvin's son, Raymond, died in 1993 in New York of a heart attack at the age of 37. Randy is an accountant in Atlanta, Georgia, a father of four. In 2021, Colvin decided it's time, it is time to clear my name last October. Last October, the 82-year-old civil rights pioneer made a life-changing move to file the expungement of her decade-old arrest record. The Montgomery Court Juvenile Judge Kevin Williams on November the 24, 2021, signed the order for her records to be destroyed, including all reference to the arrest. Claudette Colvin now lives in Birmingham, Alabama, and still living today at the age of 83. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks, in 1932, at the age of 19, she married Raymond Parks, a self-educated man. 
He he worked as a barber and was a longtime member of the National Association for Advancement of Colored People. He supported Rosa in her effort and her effort to earn her high school diploma, which she did get in 1934. Hart was born as Rosa Louise McCulley. February the 4th, 1913, was born in Tuskegee, Alabama, to the parents of James McCulley and Leona Edward. Her father was employed as a carpenter and her mother as a teacher. Her childhood in Montgomery helped her to develop strong roots in American Methodist Episcopal Church. Rosa did not attend public school until the age of 11. Before that, she was homeschooled by her mother. At the age of 11, she attended the industrial school for girls in Montgomery, where she took various vocational and academic courses, which began her laboratory school for her secondary education, but never completed it because she was forced to drop out to care for her sick grandmother and her mother. Rosa's childhood was greatly influenced by the Jim Crow law of the South, which segregated white people from black people in almost every part of her daily lives. This included public restrooms, drinking fountains, education, and transportation. The Jim Crow law that segregated blacks from whites were created by white members of the Democratic Party in the southern states between 1876 and 1963. They created many barriers, many barriers for black voters and had several regulations, including banding interracial marriage and providing racial segregated schools system. This continued great, this continued great political tension between the northern and the southern state, both Democrats and Republican parties, on the issue of black rights. This struggle brought a light to landmark piece of legislation, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. President John F. Kennedy met with the Republican leader on June 11, 1963. Prior to his television address that night to discuss the legislation on June 13, Everett McKinley Dirksen, Senate Minority Leader, and Mike Mansfield, Senate Majority Leader. Both voices support for the president's bill except for provision guaranteeing equal access to places of public accommodation. This bill was reported out of the Judiciary Committee in November 1963 and referred to the Rules Committee chaired by Howard W. Smith, Howard W. Smith, an avid segregationist and Democrat from Virginia, indicated his indicated his 
intention was to keep the bill bottled up indefinitely. Now, Rosa Parks, she's an icon woman. She's an icon woman on the bus on December the 1st, 1955. A 42-year-old seamstress took a seat on the bus on her way home from Montgomery Fair Department store. Before she reached her designation, Park was seated. Park was seated in the first row behind those ten seats. When the bus driver, when the bus became crowded, the bus driver instructed Miss Park and three other African American passengers to vacate their seat for the own boarding white passenger. Eventually, three other passengers moved while Miss Park remained seated, arguing that she was not in a seat reserved for whites. James Blake, the driver, believed he had the right. He had the right to move the lines that separate blacks and white passengers. The law was actually somewhat murky on that point. Then Miss Park said, she refused to move, and she defied, Miss Park defied his order, meaning that she refused his order. He called the police. Officer Day and Nixon was the arrest officers. Parks was booked and fingerprinted and briefly incarcerated for a couple of hours. She was charged with refusing to obey orders of the bus driver. Ms. Park was not the first person to be prosecuted for violating the segregation law. On the city bus in Montgomery, she was, however, a woman of unchallenged character, unchallenged character, who was held high esteem by all those who knew of her record. Ms. Park was active in the local association for the advancement of colored people, serving as secretary to E.D. Nixon, president of the Montgomery chapter, Nixon and white friend, attorney Cliff Durr and his wife, Virginia. They bailed her out of jail, and she was bailed out. Her charge was $14. That's what the fine was. On December the 5th, she was fined. That including court costs. Parts attorney Fred Gray appealed the law from technicality. In 1994, after Parks was attacked in her own apartment, notice I said her own apartment in Detroit, in Detroit, founder of Peace of Chain, Little Caesar, Mike Illich, helped move her to a safer place. He paid Rosa rent for over a decade until the day she died on October the 24th, 2005. Now, at the age of eight, 92 years old, she died of a natural cause, leaving behind a rich legacy of resistance against racial discrimination and injustice. Park civil rights pioneer was mourned for two days by the public in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. She was the first woman and only the second, only the second African-American to be mourned there. Parks was the 31st person and the 
first American who was not a U.S. government official and the second private person as a French city planner, Pierre Lafayne, to be honored in this fashion. After her memorial, her coffin was flown to Montgomery, Alabama, and was taken to St. Paul African Methodist Episcopal Church, where another memorial service was held the following morning. Condoleezza Rice said, if it hadn't been for Rosa Parks, she probably never became the Secretary of the State. Rosa Parks eventually was laid to rest in the Woodlawn Cemetery in Detroit, Michigan. Now, I, I want to say a closing prayer. I also want to thank Miss Presley for giving me the opportunity to share my knowledge about Claudette Colvin and Rosa Parks. It's not easy getting on a platform and speaking. God bless. But before I close, I hope what I said would encourage everyone to vote. Please vote. One count, one vote makes a difference. God bless. Mrs. Mary Hightower, what a fantastic presentation. And I'm sure at this time, your listening audience, that audience has gained extensive knowledge. Thank you, Mrs. Mary Howell, for being you. Because guess what? No one else qualifies. We have learned so much Thank in those you. few minutes. And I would like you, for you to continue to read and spread the knowledge. Because we yes, need well. it. We need it. Yes, what you said should encourage people to vote. They should encourage people to vote and also encourage others to vote. What was that was just so magnificent what you told us about about those two young ladies who risked their lives to make things better for all of us. Now we can sit yes, in ma'am. any parts of the bus now. And you have yes, told us is. about everybody thought that that our Rosa Parks was the first. But you have enlightened us. You told us that she was not the first. The first one was a little girl, 15-year-old. We need to really right. encourage our young people because they are making a difference in this world. They made a difference back there, and now they're making a difference now. And we need to encourage them because that's, they are our future. They are heaven-sent because it's that children are a gift from God. There is reward. And thank you, Mrs. Mary Hightower. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're going to be waiting for you. I can't thank you enough. Again, like I said, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to come on and and just speak the little knowledge that I know about Rosa Parks and Claudette Colvin. And, again, I want to thank my Father God the Most High. And, And I want to say God bless everybody. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Mrs. Hightower. Thank you. And I won't go on and talk because I do not want to destroy the beauty of your presentation. Thank you, listening audience. And please continue to listen to the Hour of Excellence. Hour of Excellence for more information. Hour of Excellence featuring outstanding dignitaries. And again, Hour of Excellence Presley style the community style. We thank you, we thank you, 
And again, Mrs. Hightower, thank you. And to all of You're you, welcome. God bless. And please continue to listen because you will hear more, Mrs. Hightower. You will hear most yes, of us. Ma'am. Our excellent, thank you, thank you, thank you. You all be blessed. 